What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another podcast. We've got Anthony Vincent from 10 Second Songs here. We've got Derek Blackman as well from YouTube. You know him as some black guy on YouTube. And we've got the dudes in Hoobastank here, a very special treat. One of my favorite <laughs> records of all time we're going to talk about here. And uh, very excited to have Doug and Dan here. Now, they have a very cool docuseries that's coming out to talk about. Uh, it's been 21 years now since uh, the debut self-titled release. And they were filming a lot during that time. And they're going to be releasing a documentary series from back in that period of time. Uh, you know, that when you're in a band that's just blowing up and everything's going crazy, it's just really a fascinating time to see how all of that played out. And, and a record that really has stood the test of time. And, you know, you just go back. I've been listening to this record, you know, all through the weekend, just getting pumped up about talking to you guys. I've been listening. I've listened to this record probably hundreds of times, to be honest with you. Um, and so it's so it's so great to have you guys here talk about this album, talk about this series and yeah, I mean, how did you guys know back then? Like, hey, maybe we should be filming a lot of this shit. We did. We filmed everything at that point. <laughs> we started we? filming stuff just to film stuff. Like in nineteen, when did we do Naked Jockman, Doug? Was that nineteen ninety four? Like ninety four. Like end of ninety four. It it was a commit. It definitely was a commitment. It wasn't like today where you're like, hey, pull everybody, film this. You know, like we had like the old VHS yes. shoulder mounted. You know. Uh, missile launcher uh, to start it off. And then by the time, I think by the time we got to, uh, you know, recording that, that, uh, that record, we had graduated to like the, the eight millimeters or what are those? What are those? What are those yeah. Again? The eight millimeters, the, just the, the, you know, the smaller yeah, the version, handheld, the smaller the version, handheld, like little, but they aids. still look like bazookas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the early 2000s version. To, uh, yeah. I know exactly. exactly. Which kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so and dan we were around a lot of other bands and, and we were it was that's a time that it was a time where everything wasn't documented like today everything is documented you know it's not a you know my kids see so much of their lives compared to you know us um so i think it was more like dude this is kind of a big deal we should really keep track of this and um and yeah, I don't, I don't ever remember us going, Dan, Hey, we should, uh, we got to document everything, but it was just kind of like a fun thing to do. And we had the cameras and, um, it seemed like a big deal at the time. Is this footage that you got digitized back then? Did you do something with the footage back then? Or you, or did you digitize it now? Like, what was the process of that? You know, were like, was it, uh, kind of Dan's been, di Dan's been digitizing this thing forever. Well, <laughs> what, seriously, what forever. happened was is um, you know, a little, let me backtrack a little bit. So in like in 95 or something like that, I got the VHS, like literally pull the VHS out of the camera. We just had no money back then. We weren't signed or anything like that. It was a gift from my parents. They had the, the smaller cameras at that point, but I didn't want that shit. I wanted the one that you literally just pull the tape out, put it in the V in the VCR and watch it. Once we got a record deal, Doug, I think in like 2000, then you bought a camera. I remember we, got some money a little bit, got an advance, he bought a camera and we, but we were always interested in filming stuff. I was always interested in it. You, and then we were making little, um, funny, stupid skit videos, but there was no way to edit. We didn't have right. any editing software. So it was like, literally it would be Doug hitting record and we'd act out a scene and then hit pause and we'd shift to the next angle. He, he would have, yeah, it was <laughs> shot to shot. Um, and we got some really cool shit, but, um, uh, what was that? What was the follow up question? I'm sorry. Just like, how did you know, like, hey, you know, we should be filming all of this stuff and we should be capturing it? Well, we didn't. We didn't know. It was just something that I think that we were interested in doing. Um, I always was a fan personally of that rockumentary type of footage stuff to see the behind the scenes shit. You know, one of the one of my favorite movies of all time is the making of the chili peppers uh, uh blood sugar sex magic record and they made a, a movie called funky monks and it's just the it's it's in the studio and in the house with them making the record and i just thought that was so cool i always thought that was so cool um so yeah i i've i've just known forever that this is what i in, wanted to do in real time i don't think we were like dude we need we need to get footage because we're making a documentary it wasn't that at all it was just to have it have it for ourselves. So it wasn't like us going, okay, we need a shot of you doing this. It was, it's very, it's home movies type that shit, was, you know? Yeah. 
Like it wasn't, it wasn't shot. Like the shots weren't planned out. There wasn't like, we need this content and X, Y, Z. It was totally just home movie style, you know, just to have the memories really. And it's really ahead of its time too. There were, there were a few, uh, there were a few videos that I grew up watching, like, you know, Metallica, year and a half of the life. I always loved watching that stuff. And then also the Pantera, uh, the Pantera videos too. Like all the backstage antics and stuff. The fact that you guys were doing that, uh, and now that you know you have that footage, I mean, anyone who was doing that then, which were very, very few, I'm sure there were a lot of people. I mean, I go back, I have vacation footage and stuff. You know, I didn't have any way of putting it out. Um, they should be doing stuff like this, I, I, and it's great that you guys have so much. How much footage do you have? Like, you know, countless. I'm sure you have countless tapes. Actually, that word "countless" is uh, is on the episode one of the introduction it's like yeah we shot we we the band members and friends of ours shot countless hours of of um footage starting from 1995 as we were walking into our original bass player's house before we had chris our drummer right now like we filmed that i remember um yeah just tons and tons of hours whether it's from the before the first record during the first record after the first record during the reason just all this shit, you know? Um, yeah. And over COVID like 2020, right at the beginning of the lockdown when no one knew what was going on and we just knew that we were locked in our houses for a month or whatever. That's when I started doing the digitizing and it was literally so tedious and cause you have to do it in real time. And each tape is about two hours long, an hour to two hours long. So I'd be in my studio and I, and I would be transferring it. I'd go run and eat some food, do some shit, whatever it was. It'd be done, run back down, and literally just over and over and over again. I'd wake <laughs> up at three in the morning to pee. I'd run down to my studio, pop in a new tape while I was just getting it done while I was asleep. Anytime I'd wake up, I was doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, because there's wow. tons and tons and tons of content, like hours upon hours upon hours. It's just ridiculous. How did you guys initially get signed? What was that process like for you guys? I'm sure it's a lot different then than it is now today. Um, dude, I don't even know how you get signed today, but <laughs> TikTok. Uh, you have to have a viral moment, Doug. Right? Yeah. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I we did it, quote unquote, the old the old fashioned way, I guess. You know, like, um, like he said, we, uh, Dan and I were in a, in a in a band in high school or right out of high school, and um, when we wanted to find other members, we had to. Uh, put out ads in the, you know, in the recycler and the local paper and stuff like that, you know, like drummer wanted, bass player wanted that kind of stuff. Um, go to their houses, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, rehearsals were at, at every band member's house at some point, you know, um, or parents' house is a better description, you know, in tiny little rooms and garages and whatever, anywhere they could let us play, you know, make noise. I think we, we probably, wrote music and rehearsed for about six, six or seven months. And then we started playing shows. And the first one quote unquote show was in my parents' backyard, you know, but it was a a legit deal. You know, we had, we had uh, at a stage and we even had like, we hired private security so it wouldn't get out of control. And um, it was basically like a block party, but we would play anywhere they'd let us dude from like cafes to teen centers to opening for whoever, wherever, um, this was like in nine, starting in 95, the summer of 95 and between the summer of 95 and late 99, we played everywhere in, you know, every club in Hollywood. And, and, uh, uh, I think we went as far as Arizona down to San Diego and stuff like that. Um, you know, every couple of weeks we'd, we'd promote our, uh, our shows with man, a ma- an actual mailing list we had compiled from shows, you know, with physical letters that we, you know, flyers that we'd send out. We would, we would flyer, uh, all the, the local high schools, you know, every time we played, it was just really, you know, like guerrilla <clears throat> stuff. We, we vandalization almost <laughs> with, uh, with signs on, on, on all the, the, the congested, um, choke points, like where stop signs, you know, there'd always be, uh, every couple of weeks there'd be a, our show sign up there, like handmade. Um, and then we shopped, we shopped our, our music around probably in the, like around 98, 99 in 99. We, um, we had, we had a manager 
And um, we had a demo deal. I forget who it was with, you know. One of the record companies gave us money to record some new songs to kind of see where what direction we're going and stuff like that. So we went in and we recorded some new music. And I remember thinking, like, dude, this is fucking so you know, it's a foregone conclusion. We're we're in, you know, like um yeah. Uh, we had some friends that uh had signed deals and we thought like, oh, it was just kind of our turn, you know? Um and uh we recorded some songs, they were interesting and uh and got turned down by the people who gave us the money, but then we were allowed to shop it from them and, and everybody turned us down. And this I remember in ninety nine going fuck, you know, like, what do you do? We just spent the last five years basically building up to this moment and nothing happened. You know, we got rejected and, um, and it, it seemed at the time like, well, how do you, how do you convince these people with the same band and the same everything, like to say yes, after they've already said no, especially in this kind of business where they're always looking for something new. And if they've already said no, they're, they want, give me something else, you know, like, um, I, I remember at the time we, we fired our manager who wasn't his fault for anything. We just decided to kind of take control again of our, of our band. Um, we stopped, we stopped shopping we, the music. Um, and we kind of, I remember at least making a conscious effort to go, let, let's just, let's just do this for fun, the way we have been, you know, the reason why we had, at least in the, in the in originally let's, let's play shows and, and, and let the chips fall where they may. And let's forget about the whole business aspect of it, you know? Um, and then I think less than a year later, we had a few offers like it, the, just the opposite. It, we, you know, we stopped shopping and, and we had had enough relationships, um, in the industry and stuff like that. Um, that obviously helped. But it was kind of funny when we just said, you know, fuck it, let's just do our thing. And then I think in in August of of, of two thousand is when we started getting a, a few offers. Isn't that how it always happens, though? It's when you st really stop trying. You're still working hard. You're still persevering. But once you stop, kind of going, I want this. I need this. I'm working towards this. And you're like, let me just be the best I can. And it seems like that's when things really kind of materialize. Yeah, I, look, I, I use as as an example with my kids all the time. You know, I tell them like, you know, don't worry about the result; it's the process. You know, just just enjoy what you're doing, and then whatever happens, you know, great. That that's that's not why you do it. You do it for the for what you for the process. You know, and um, yeah, I mean, that's where my headspace was. I'm sure uh, the other guys have similar stories, but obviously different perspectives of of how it went down. But I kind of remember me personally going, you know, fuck the business, fuck all this stuff. Let's just, let's just play some music and, and write some cool music and, and perform and, and see what happens. You know, that works. And now how, how long have you and Dan known each other? You guys go way back. Yeah. High school. Yeah. Soft, your sophomore year or my sophomore year, my yeah. sophomore year. Yeah. I started at Agora high school late. I started in 10th grade as opposed to ninth. And then I came across Doug there. And so once you guys kind of link up, you, you know, and this is kind of just going into the future now, but you've known each other for so long and you've worked together for so long consistently, that alone is a monumental achievement. What do you think the secret is? Because you can look at different bands and there's bands that have had 50 previous members and, you know, there's all sorts of problems and stuff. And then there's bands like you guys that have just been so stable for so long. And I tend to see that that tends to be your more reasonable people, more pragmatic people and things like that. What do you think the secret is that you guys have just been so successful for so long and been able to work together for so long? So successful. Yeah. So successful <laughs> I think so. so. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's one secret like, Hey, the secret is, you know, like, um, I think we've been able to check our egos enough when we've needed to, you know, I think we, um, he and I have very different yet complementing personalities. You know, I'm a much more rational, 
person. He's a much more passionate, emotional person. And so there's kind of like a yin and yang balance as yeah. far as like how, how the ship is run, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I just think also it's kind of like what we're talking about with getting signed and stuff like that. It's still just the process, you know? Is it fun to write music? Yes. No, it's different. Sometimes it fucking sucks, you know? Sometimes it's like doing yeah. homework. But uh, but when it when it clicks, it's still the same feeling. I get still that exciting feeling. And it's not because we're in front of, uh, you know, an arena of people. I'm literally sitting in my, you know, in my home studio. And, and that feeling still happens. Well, if we're rehearsing and something clicks, it's still fun. You know, it's still fun to do that. Um, and, uh, I've said this a bunch of times, like when people have asked like, well, what, what are some of the greatest memories you have in this band? And I think the cliche answers or what they're expecting to hear is like, oh, when we did X, Y, Z, these very like typical, uh, typical, um, accomplishments, whether it's awards or, or these huge shows or any, anything that has to do with like fame and fortune. But I usually go back to kind of the shit we were talking about prior like forming the band and playing in our you know our rooms and the first show we did and these these little moments that um that aren't big you know these like fun these stupid videos we made you know and all these little dumb adventures we had that's kind of what i that's what i'll remember you know when i'm on my deathbed i'm not gonna be going like oh remember that stadium we did in japan you know it's cool it's cool but it, it, it's not what, that's not what keeps me going, hey, dude, let, let's, I got to go to rehearsal today. Like, because I, because I want to play that stadium again. No, it's because I want to hang out with my friends and I want to fuck around and joke around and play some music and call it a job. You know, that's, that's ridiculously lucky. You know, what, what else would I want to do? Right. It's perspective. I no, think. That's... That's, that's, I think, at the, end of the, I, at, the, at the end of the day, that's, I think, what has helped at least me. And, a lot, and the band, uh, enough that we've been able to ke keep our perspective of like, dude, yes, you know, at one point we were this big and we may be this big now and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But look what we're doing. We're just, we're just in a room playing music, laughing, and this is it. This is, you know, while somebody's stuck on the freeway in traffic going to work, I think that's, um, I think that's helped a lot. And I think too, that, you know, your music, you know, this record has, I don't know if it, if it resonates with you, but you know, that this is a record that has obviously stood the test of time and has helped a lot of people and means so much to a lot of people. And so when you went back and looked at that footage, sometimes, you know, people, you go back and you look into the past and you examine the past and that can be a difficult experience. It's not all, it's like, oh, damn, like, you know, why did I do that or something? Um, when you go back and look at the footage, was there ever a point where you felt maybe like you could see a change in yourselves in the band? Like maybe you're really feeling yourself after that record deal comes in. Was there any of that, like kind of revelations that you made going through that footage? Um, I've seen the footage a ton, Doug. I don't really, Doug doesn't watch the footage. <laughs> I, I've never, I've never been, I, I feel I, I've that. never been that dude. I, Every once in a while, it's the same. I always get the same feeling. I've always had the same feeling as when you look at like uh, a really bad old picture of you or something like that. That's kind of embarrassing or whatever. I don't really care so much yeah. anymore, but I'm also not that curious. I, I, I like it for nostalgic reasons. Like, oh my God, look at how I remember that. Or I don't even remember that at all. That's crazy that even happened because if I didn't see the video, I literally was, it, it, it didn't happen. Um, I, I don't know if at the time, like Dan said, I, he's the one who digitized and has kind of like, he's like the, um, the archivist here who's, who, who keeps all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't, so I can't tell you if I see it when I, when I see it, but I do remember feeling pretty awesome about it going, <laughs> Oh shit, we got a record deal. You know, you, you, there's a little pep in your step and all that kind of stuff. Um, I definitely have seen some of it and gone, Oh, we were so young and so naive. Uh, in some ways, it's a beautiful thing. In some ways, it's a painfully cringeworthy thing to, to look at, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I fucking said that, you know, like how, how dumb is that? 
And I can't believe I held that type of attitude at that moment, you know. Um, as we're older, I, I get it. I go, look, dude, I was only 26 years old, 25 years right. old. Um, uh, so it's a little bit of combination of, of, of seeing it and missing that youthful naivety, you know, uh, but also going, God, you are stupid. <laughs> I know that feeling. Cause I feel the same way about some, some of the videos I put out just a few years ago. I can't watch them at all. So yeah. I get it completely, yep. you know, I think. Everyone who goes through a creative process, I think, resonates with that entirely. But you guys should be commended because it's brave to put real shit out there. And this is – it doesn't get much more real than basically home videos. And I think it's um, – yeah, not, not to cut you off, Brian. No, go ahead. But I think that it's also very important that people uh, – if you can somehow get people to connect to the sentiment that you just shared about being with your friends, starting up a band – that's something that that I feel like in this day and age we're all very removed from because it's not we're not really in a band uh, time right now. Like I mean, like there there's there are a lot of bands out there. Don't get me wrong, but this is not 1995 anymore. I mean, uh, the, the 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 live music scene has changed, especially over the past just three years alone because of the pandemic, and and people are still recovering from that. Um, and, uh, and, and the way things are done, I mean, even me, I'm a, I'm a full-time musician, but I don't, I, I don't hit the road once, you know, all year, everything's on the internet. Um, and, and I don't really even have a, an official band. It's, it's all YouTube channel stuff, TikToks. This is what kid, kids want to be YouTubers and TikTokers, you know? And I personally, I thrive, but one of the things that I'm doing now as a musician in the year 2022 is like, I want to connect to when I was a kid you know, forming bands and playing high school battle of the bands. I know that because I was on the tail end of that, but you guys got to really, you know, and I'm, I can't imagine what the crowds were like in the nineties, you know, and just the, the, the scene, just to be a part of that scene, you know, wherever you, you know, whether it was in the West coast or the East coast to, to get a glimpse of that past, I think is going to be very inspirational and uh, even for me to see, to be honest. And, and especially for a younger generation that could just say, you know what, I want to pick up, an instrument and just play, you know, I think it's very important. It's a front row seat to, no, sorry, go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say the footage, you know, the way I look at it is very similar to how Doug said he looks at it, but I, that's maybe how I used to look at it. It used to be like, Oh fuck. Oh Jesus Christ. Listen to what I said there or listen to whatever, or whatever, you know, <clears throat> I still feel that way when I see some of that, but I've tried to, um, <clears throat> I've tried to almost like grow from it or learn from it and take a look at myself because there's plenty of moments in there that I'm speaking to somebody in a certain way that I didn't realize at the time I was doing it, but I see it now at my age now and I'm like, fuck, okay. That right there is maybe what I was doing that was pushing people or something like that. And, um, or I just didn't simply just didn't like my tone or, or whatever it was. So I try to look at it in a way where, because I still, could do that shit today i can still i will i can always revert back to that guy as much as i'm trying to move forward and, and learn from it and grow so i could take it as like oh i can't watch this and just turn it off but i've chosen to watch it a little bit and same with old interviews of us that we didn't even have any control over that i see on youtube the things that i get those douche chills about i tend to try to watch because i don't yeah i just want to learn from it you know like doug there's moments in this thing that <clears throat> there's one moment that I'm, and it's in the docuseries too. We're talking about crawling in the dark and um, it's how you're singing it. And it's the, I will dedicate and sacrifice my, it's the first line. And it's me, it's me getting on you. Like it doesn't flow, dude. It just doesn't flow the blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's, and you're kind of looking at me like, and then Jim pops in and he starts singing it. And I don't really remember that moment happening uh, uh, at the time. I just remember maybe, getting stuck in my own head and going, getting on you at that moment, you know, um, and seeing how it must have been for Doug to deal with Dan back then, you know, I can see it clearer now by watching that shit and go, fuck, okay, maybe we needed to go through all that to get to where we got to. But at the same time, I don't want to be that guy. And I don't want to talk to people like that. <laughs> you guys, you guys didn't realize that this documentary is really just a self-help like, videos for us. It's like right. some kind of so monster. It's all, like, it's all, it's all therapy. Also, yeah. We're, we just watch it and we go, God, we want to fucking change. Dude, there's, you know? a, there's a scene. I love that though. There's, there's a scene that 
made me feel pretty awkward and uncomfortable watching it now this many years later. And it's not going in this document, this, this, this series, because it was the later, it was when we were recording either The Reason or Every Man for Himself, but we're in the studio. And at that point, you got to understand that, yeah, Doug and I have been friends since we were 15, 16 years old, um, and we're super tight, but I'm sure I've gotten on his nerves like quite a bit and whatever it is, you know, and vice versa. And so we're in the fucking studio, and I'm playing guitar, trying to come up with a guitar part. And Doug is sitting right next to me as I'm trying to record it. And you're touching the neck of my guitar. Like, no, no, what did you do? Bad, but do this. And you could see I'm getting fucking annoyed. And um, <laughs> and uh, it's funny to talk about it right now. But at the same time, watching what I did was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, you're grabbing the neck of my guitar. Like, well, what if you do this? And for me, it's very distracting and hard because I'm trying to focus. And now I got I'm overwhelmed because I got somebody else throwing, like, numbers at me now while I'm trying to right. count. That was probably my that was probably my equivalent of like, dude, doesn't flow. Right, doesn't right. Flow. But you, but as I'm playing, as I'm yeah, playing, yeah. you're like grabbing the neck of the guitar, and I was just being a dick. But and I remember, I remember. I mean, the video shows me. I put my hand on your throat, and I say, "How the fuck would you like it if I came in while you were singing and started putting my Holy hands all over shit, your neck?" Dude. So you went and grabbed him by the neck. I I don't even remember yeah, I did that. that. I wasn't. It was. It was. It was I, in a sarcastic, funny way, kind of right. the, you know, kind of hamming it up for the it's camera. It's a repressed memory. There. You you have to, and you I have was to shove not, it in your subconscious. You definitely <laughs> right now. I'm gonna start crying. No, we, we, we by we definitely were not. Um, fuck you. Fuck you. Not. It wasn't like that right. at all. It was more. No, I I understand the sarcasm <laughs> and and it's, you're trying to make a point, but I don't even remember that. That's I didn't remember even it. if you go back to. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I, I just, I just, I didn't remember it until I came across it. Like I said, there's hundreds of hours of footage, and I saw it, and I was like, as I laughed my ass off, but at the same time, it was a very cringe moment for me to go like, "You fucking dipshit," you know? Like that's, my, that was my energy quite a bit. I felt like, you know, and I'm not saying it's different now. That's, I don't know if it is or not, but I. That's that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the the like the subtitle of the docu series, whatever. You know, but like, I think- 20th anniversary. See who we wish we weren't. You know, like we're but learning hey, from our past mistakes. Yes, yes, boy, were we dicks. Everybody feels that though, and that that is so relatable. You know, and and I also well, I'm glad that we. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's more common, but I kind of feel like, dude, I'm gl- I'm kind of glad that we're at least at, the, at a place in our lives where we can see it and are self aware and, and and not being like, you know, we're still not there. You know, I, I'm I'm glad that we're in a different spot. You're far more uh, self aware than other bands, dude. Far more. So, yeah, you know how many people would <laughs> not are. would not be dude, talking about are. this stuff. You just be talking about how like there's some bands that would just come on here come on, come on here and say this is a piece of history and we're very proud of I mean like I'm it sure you're very proud of it but it'd be very yeah like the fact that you're rigid. even the fact that you're going in on on like uh, some some old character defects that you that you you know like pick up on the past well but ironically that's the, that's that's what what we see you ask but that's what we see when we see the videos a lot of it like I said is a lot of it's like yeah that's cool and I, that's a cool moment um but uh, yeah, I think it's equal parts like, oh, like, why did I do that? Or why did I? Yeah, exactly. Why was my attitude like this? Like, God, I was so, so if I only had known better, you know? Right. But uh, you needed to live to know better. That's the whole, that's the whole I've, thing. I've, no, I've yeah, you have to. When you yes, saw sir. some footage, when you saw some footage, did you like there, you know, you said you had hundreds of hours. Were there specific things you saw that as soon as you saw it, you're like, I'm th- this cannot nobody can do this. <laughs> like this is like I, I just have to like nuke this out of existence. <laughs> Dude, anybody who has a repository of food is gonna have hey, that. <laughs> I, I I would say if there's a thousand hours, yeah. seven hundred hours are, are not yeah, usable. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happened anybody was, with video. This is exactly what happened. So I basically had this computer that was transferring all these tapes, right? And um then I had to then I had to give every single video that I wanted for this docu-series over to the guys making the video. So what I ha- it was a real pain in the ass. What I had to do at that point was I had to then upload all those videos into my own iMovie and edit them. Oh my gosh. And edit each one for offensive shit because we're in 2022 right. today and the stuff that was in <laughs> right. there was from 2000, uh, was from like 1990 yes. something. 
And, you know, I could sneeze the wrong way and be canceled, I'm sure. So I made right. sure <laughs> I made sure I um, I cut everything out that was necessary to cut out, um, you know, so really. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad, but there are tone wise or certain things that. I, I don't know how to say it, but like, yeah, I'm not saying it was right to say certain things back then the way that the way that people yeah. did. But if the tone was that way in the world, you know, um, we might have been speaking a certain way that is not appropriate now. And I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings right. because sure. it's not it's not our business. Our business is to uh, make people happy. So um, I edited right. uh, some of it out. I mean, but also it's like for me, like as a video person that has filmed tons of video content, like back when those like camcorders and stuff first came out, I had them and, you know, you're almost like now when there's a camera everywhere at every time, you might be less inclined to use it. But like when I have a film oriented camera and like my buddy's taking a dump, like, yeah, I'm going to say, dude, what are you fucking doing, bro? Your smile for the camera. So dude, I, I, went, like... step, I went one step beyond that. I took a, a waterproof GoPro, put it in the toilet and took a shit on it. <laughs> you know, like, yes, I had, dude. I had to, is that going to be that, that, that wasn't during that recording, but are we going to use that? Gotta be the documentary. At any point? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bad. That was on the that road. Was on tour. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, much it's fun. stuff like just okay. just dumb shit. You know, when when we were first starting out, Jackass, the television show, and the CKY stuff wasn't um, right. wasn't out yet, and so we got a lot of like comparisons to that. A lot of our friends and peers were saying, you know, once the, the Jackass stuff came out, they're like, dude, you guys were doing this before Jackass. We never, yes, yeah, we well, didn't go as hard as those guys by by any means, but. A no. lot of the footage, it was just funny for us to make up these skits and shock, yeah, shock value, dude. It was stuff. pure shock value. Yeah. Streaking places, you know, friends of ours streaking through public, uh, you know, soccer games at the high school. Just, just dumb shit. Do guys in other bands go like, "Hey, dude, I hope you're not fucking putting me in your documentary because of uh, of a streaking down the street." <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, but one day. I don't think we have any any incriminating videos of other bands, do we? We don't have incriminating. I mean, you we, would if if you would. Yeah, know. we don't have any. The only incriminating video that we have of other bands is just from back in that day in like 1995, before any of our bands had record deals and what we all looked right. like at that time, running around your parents' backyard. Um, aside from that, but not really. Yeah, you know. But I got some cool footage, some some old stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's not bad. Switching in, this is so fascinating to me, and I love it's it's such a brilliant idea. I wish more bands would do this. I liken this to you know, and, and you guys are a million times more functional when you compare it to this time period. But like the documentary, some kind of monster with Metallica, I thought they were so brave to put that out because they they showed themselves in a very vulnerable space where they weren't getting along, and Lars is getting in James's face, and it's this whole thing, and then it really shows how the record that came out of it, St. Anger, maybe it's a controversial record, but at the end of the day, they put a record out and they didn't break up and they were not functional at that time. But I just think it's cool that no matter what is going on, bands show, I think you can't connect to people if you're not authentic and you guys come across as very authentic. And um, so when you're making this record, how does that process start? You started writing these songs after the record deal or were some of these songs kind of already written before then? I would say about a third were written already. Uh, a third were already on um, kind of like a new demo we had had, right. you know, um, that we, I think we recorded in 99. Um, but then, yeah, once, once, it, uh, once we got a record deal, we started writing more. What? And I know, I know Crawling in the Dark, um, we went into pre-production on the record uh, at, at a studio. I think it was like two weeks long or something like that with the, uh, with the producer. You know, hammering, uh, hammering the songs out, kind of chiseling away, getting it to you know, each one to where we thought it was ready to go. Um, and then I think with just a couple days left in pre-production, Dan had uh, come in with a with an idea with a with a riff, and it was the crawling in the dark like um, guitar riff and and kind of the whole model. That's a legendary song. riff, dude. That is just such a sick riff. Thank you. Sick. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it it's 
like anything else, I feel like there's this uh, there's a there's this theme running through this whole podcast here. Um, I heard it and I immediately heard something like I heard a melody right away, and I said, "Okay, let's do this, do this," and and um, I think overnight, literally, the song was written. Like I took it home, I, I did some things, and it was pretty much done. Like the chorus melodies and, and it was all done overnight and, um, or within a couple days. So it was literally like the 11th hour song that came in and it ended up being, um, you know, obviously the first single and probably our second most successful single ever. Um, but I do notice with a couple of, um, songs that we've had success with, they've been kind of like that. You don't have to sit around and like, overanalyze lyrics or overanalyze guitar parts, whatever. It just kind of falls into place. And it, it's that thing. Like just, just don't, don't think about what kind of song you want to make. Don't think about getting the record deal. Don't think about the, the, the end, just enjoy what you're doing while it's happening. And so, uh, dude, I've, we, but I, I, I know we collectively, but I've sit around and dissected lyrics and melodies to songs until I don't want to, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like it's just, and I go, well, if I've done it for this long, if I've been going back to this one song for six months and I've made seven, you know, seven changes to each thing and, and all these words, it probably sucks. You know, it's too much. And, and, and I'm, I'm overanalyzing and I'm thinking about the finished product. And is, is this going to be a happen? Is this going to work? And, and I feel like all the songs that we've had any success with just kind of yeah. happen, you know, like, like, boom, there, this is what I'm feeling in the moment. This is what I'm hearing. Everybody kind of goes, yeah, that's good, you know, and stays out of uh, uh, each other's hair. I'm not, like, metaphorically putting my fingers on Dan's uh, fretboard, <laughs> you know, going, like, hey, dude, play this, play this, play this. Like, um, and uh, Crawling in the Dark was, was, like, the beginning of that is what I, I felt. Like, holy shit. Like, we could just kind of let it come out of us. Um and uh, yeah, that was, I know the original question was the writing process though. Dan, so. when you wrote that riff on this writing process, like, did you know, like, damn, like I just, I just wrote something crazy. Like, were you immediately knew that this could be very big? <clears throat> no, I didn't. Um, I don't remember exactly writing the riff or, or how it came about. Um, but uh, I do remember at that time, you know, recording it onto my home phone, my home answering machine. Cause I didn't even have a cell phone at that point. I don't think that we had cell phones. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was just this thing I played just the, just the, the intro, whatever that riff is. Um, right. and, and, and like a lot of other ideas that I had, they would just live on my phone, you know, like they still do today. It's like, you know, that's just, there's just, I don't know if you can see, but it's just, it's just ideas after right. ideas after I just tons, you know? Yeah. And, right. um, but there was something about the, if you're just playing just the, 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 the single note, whatever, whatever the root notes that I'm playing, I, I just liked how it felt. And, um, it was there for a while. I had to go back to the studio one night cause I wanted to mess with my guitar amp. And in doing so I was by myself and kind of, started playing around with it a little bit more and came up with the next part, which was when the whole band comes in, there was a third part to it, right? Doug, there was a part to the song, which was in my eyes before your vocals were on it. When I wrote the music, which was a, which is not even in the song anymore. I think it was a chorus that you had said, let's just take that piece of music out. So it something like, I don't know exactly how it happened, okay. but that did happen. And there is a demo of it somewhere that I cannot find. I've looked everywhere and I'm, I don't know, but I have a ton of shit here. So that, that has that, that has the other piece. Yeah. I recorded it. it on the four track or on that Roland that we had mm. with drums and bass and, and, and mm. I demoed it all out, brought it to you guys, played it. And like you said, it just happened quick, man. Like we were at that, at that pre-production studio without the producer that one day. And you sat in the control room behind the glass while me, Marku and Chris mm -hmm. sat in the live room and you kind of just guided us, you know, like we, we, the parts were there. I had already demoed it. They were just learning it for the first time. We were two days. Right. And I was, I, I, 
I was I remember going I, I had the arrangement yes. idea. Okay, now cut this part out and then this is how the vocals are gonna go and blah 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 blah, you know, and kind of I remember you kind of, ex- kind of explaining like, okay, so I'm gonna I'm, I have a verse melody idea and it's gonna be an octave and here's the register of my verse melody, but when I get to when we get to the chorus, I'm gonna sing that same melody but an octave higher or or mm-hmm. an inversion of it. An octave higher. And i I just remember right. these conversations happening through the window and kind of trying to follow along i knew all the parts to it was trying to get on board with where your head was at which we quickly did and um two three days later is when we entered into the real studio to start recording the album and doing the drums for that song so so brand new to us it was the first song it was not only was it not only was it the 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 freshest song obviously it was a couple days old but it was the first one we actually started tracking. Because I think everybody was so excited um, about it and had could feel that it had, had something special. Right. And you know so what? So there was a sense. And in, hindsight, and in hindsight, yes. And in hindsight, I couldn't tell how much the excitement was, dude, this song is really good. Or there was always a, 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 an innate amount of excitement for any new song, period. Even if it fucking right. sucked. There was still some excitement to it, you know? So I can't tell how much was like, dude, this is a new song. Plus, we're we got a record, you know, we're we're finally making a, a you know a, a record on a, on a major label. So there was a lot of ingredients that um, good energy that made that moment, yeah, kind of special. So I'm not sure exactly how much um, was any confidence in the song itself. I just really liked it a lot. It it, it felt really good and, and it was Doug, fresh. Doug, it know? was also one of those songs too that. So in the footage that I watch, it shows uh, it shows us playing it uh, like for the first time in the studio, whatever, kind of jamming on it. Wow! And it and um, it 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 just sounded good live. It's your vocals sounded great. It didn't need the harmonies. You know what I'm saying? Like the song ended up with some harmonies and shit like that. But I felt like, but it's not it's not covered. No, in it. and yeah. I felt like that the song, even when we're just kind of playing it like Jim, the producer's like, all right, let's 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 do crawling in the dark, and you hear us sticking around, and you're warming up your vocal, I will whatever, and I'm doing the thing, and then boom, we go yeah. into it, dude, and we're just playing it. Yeah, we're we're not playing to a click track, so we're a little like this. Um, That's what makes but, it special. But but your vocal, dude, and we were just playing it live, and I'm going like this. It's just a not to sound like an arrogant dick, but it's just a really good song. And it, it felt it felt like a really good song without how we later dressed it up because we didn't know how we were going to dress it up. Yeah, without it. without all the production. Yeah, yeah. It, it stood. You it guys, stood, it stood oh, alone. You guys are, you know, with this album. I remember when I first heard it, it was kind of like my first inclination was like, this is like a mixture of Three Eleven, Incubus, Lincoln Park, and like ten other bands all put together in the best aspects of each of their band. You guys have such a unique sound. And so many times these days you have bands that might sound very similar to one other band or two other bands or things like that. But you guys really throughout your discography have never been kind of confined to one different sound. And on this record, I wonder, um, you know, kind of what your inspirations were growing up and if any of that was reflected on this record. What, What did you guys, when you were coming up through the label process, what were you listening to that you were like, oh, shit, I love this band? Are you talking before we got signed, like growing up? Yeah, what were your biggest influences? Uh, go ahead, Doug. Uh, well, I mean, for this, I would say leading, I mean, you can go way back. I, I was a huge, you know, David Lee Roth fan, Halen yes. fan when I was like in middle school, you know. But that didn't influence me when I was in right. my 20s, you know. Um I think my influences leading up to that album were um, were a lot of the, <clears throat> you know, I, I hate to use the word like the Seattle bands, but that, it's, it's just sure. what it is. Um, I was a big Soundgarden fan. I was a big Nirvana fan and Alice in Chains, you know, and then um, Dan and I really, Dan, especially we were, we loved 311. 311 was so a big sick. band, you know, for us in the, in the mid nineties. And, um, uh, my favorite band was Faith No More. Hell yeah. And, dude. uh, and, and Mr. Bungle. And it wasn't, uh, the music itself was awesome. I was huge, uh, 
Mike Patton, still am a uh, huge Mike Patton fan. Um, but it was also that attitude to me that influenced me. That's kind of strange to, to say. Musically, I loved heavy shit. I was always like, uh, when Dan and I combined, he brought uh, early on like kind of the funk and more um, pop sensibilities, you know, unless Dan, unless you see other otherwise, you know. And I just liked heavy shit. I, to be honest with you, I, I just liked heavy stuff. Um, and so after five years of that, you know, um, we got to where we, you know, we're doing that record. But I, I think aside from musically, I think um, attitude wise, I was influenced by the the area we'd grown up. You know, we grew up in L.A. and uh, in the suburbs of L.A. It's they're nice suburbs and a lot of a lot of skateboarding. And a lot, a lot of surfing. We're not too far from the beach. There's that kind of like chill, laid back attitude. And um, but all along with the with that, there's that kind of contrarian skater culture, you know, um, which I thought bands like Faith No More absolutely embodied that that like you can't you can't pin us to one sound. Um, we are going to purposely do things to fuck with people and, and like, Oh, that's, we're going to purposely do things to not be <laughs> popular. It sounds, sounds counterintuitive, you know, but, um, that was always really appealing to me. So it, even if it didn't come out in the songs, I felt it. And, and I'm, I'd have to, I felt it in what we did and, and how we performed and how I did interviews. Like I felt that kind of like, you know, I, um, that urge to, to always go against a little bit and to kind of throw a little bit of a curveball. Like I said, even if it didn't, even if it never showed, like some people would hear me say that and go, Hoobastank is that band? Fuck you, dude. They're the most, you know, like they're, they're, you know, they're a process, blah, 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 blah. I've heard it all. It's fine. Um, but at the time I would, I would like to think that that was just as much an influence on how we made, we made the music, or at least I made the music or my approach to the music was as was the bands themselves we actually listened to. It was that kind of attitude, yeah. you know, like to kind of to kind of just go left when everybody wants to go right. You know, what Derek, I mean? what am I missing here? What have I not asked? Um, I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not missing much at all, but I just like what you were saying about the contrarian attitude, because I've always thought about that with the name itself, Hoobastank, where I was thinking just having that, <clears throat> excuse me, just got over getting sick, got really sick. But, <laughs> um, just having that name, I was wondering, did maybe record labels possibly not want to warm to you because they just didn't even understand the name itself or something like that. Like hearing something like that was just like, I don't even know what I'm, what is this immediately? You know how people are when they first hear something, it kind of is like judging a book, you know, just by its cover. And I don't know if you guys ran into problems like that. And one other thing I wanted to clarify, I, I might be doing a Mandela effect, but I, I feel like I remember listening to, an interview you guys were doing with K-Rock, like, when I, I don't know, maybe it was 2001, 2002, whatever, sometime on a weenie roast thing, and they asked you about the name, and this is what I remember hearing, and maybe this isn't true because I don't see this online, it was saying that there was a guy in your high school that was, like, running around, and it, it's just saying that word, like, like as if it was just some random made-up name, and I, and I just remember being in my, my mom's truck being like, Oh, that's interesting. But I've never seen that online when I looked at, like, what is it, the origins? And I'm like, did I make that up? Is that something that, like, is that even, like, anything? Were you guys, like, messing around and said that at some point? Do you have any memory of that being even remotely true? Um, that, dude, okay. The, um, the first part of that question was the irony is that we – we were trying to kind of run from the band name when we signed our record uh. deal. We didn't even sign. We didn't sign as Hoobastank. We, it was a name we gave ourselves when we were 18 years old, you know, and playing house parties. And, and, and at the time also, we had a couple sax players. We was, it, it was very Mr. Bungle-esque. Wow, like you guys had – I didn't know that. That's really cool. We would go between like ska, punk, and metal. All the time. That's like cool. Flip flop and, and, and funk and stuff like that. So the silly name 
fit perfectly with what we we're doing and the venues we we're playing and the, how old we were, you know, like it was just like, you know, a high school band, um, you know, fast forward to, uh, to 2000, um, we take the band very seriously. The name has been around SoCal now for five years and, um, we get this record deal and we don't even sign like our contract doesn't even say Hoobastank. It just had, it's just listed the individual members. Oh. Um, and, uh, cause we were going to change the name at that point. We're like, look, now's our ch- opportunity. Like we're, we're given a chance now to go nationally, you know, and, and this could be the, uh, this is our chance. Like if, if we were ever going to ditch it and try to do something more serious, you know, cause we take the music serious, not each other. Uh, now would be the time. Um, and we played a show out in Hollywood one of the first shows that our, our A&R guy actually came to see. And um, before the show or during the show or whatever, it was a really good show, but the audience was, was chanting, who bust that, who, you know, before mm, the wow. set and stuff like that. And I remember after the, yeah, after the, after the show, he said, dude, you can't, you can't change the name. Like it has to be that. That's, that's what it is, you know? And, and it wasn't even like, we're like, okay, cool. I think we still pushed back yeah. a little bit. Like, fuck, dude, we don't. <laughs> He was no, right. I, it was probably me. It was probably me of, of the most. I, I wanted to get rid of it. Um, and uh, the, we kept it. We changed the spelling a little bit to make it a little bit more phonetically mm. spelled and, uh, and went from there. So it was actually the opposite. The, the, the label wanted That's the name. They That's liked really the name. Um, but as far as the origins of the name, we, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot early on because that was the single most asked right. question like for a decade like what does the name mean what does the name mean you know and early on we'd be like we would just basically make up shit like from interview to interview like if we gave five interviews there's an answer yeah if if we yeah if we were had 10 interviews You'd get ten different answers, and then you go online, and there'll be ten different versions of what it. the That's fucking fun. name was. I think know? that must have been. There was so, so much question, and that you guys really fucked with people when you did that because there was. Well, <laughs> that's that contrarian thing. Like, exactly. fuck, dude, who yes. cares? You know, like, so we're just gonna fuck around. We didn't take ourselves seriously, but it kind of backfired. Instead of putting it to bed, we'd have to interview these people on the next album, and they go like. You told us that it was this, and we heard it was that, and now what does it really mean? So here we are answering the question again right. and again and again because we'd still dick around and go, okay, you know what it really means, and we give them another bullshit answer, you know? And um, <laughs> That's kind of fun, though. Uh, the funniest thing was the confidence, and so here the confidence we- in each one of them thinking that they had <laughs> the real story. No, no, no. It's this. It's this. And we're like, fuck you. It's, it's none of them. That's amazing. I know yeah, the yeah. most widely accepted um, thing is uh, it's a sneakerhead. I know it's like the widely accepted like answer. If you were to look it up, it's like, oh, it's a sneakerhead. That's a Hooba Stank is someone who collects a lot of sneakers. Like I, I'm a Hooba yeah. Stank, and I'm like, you know what? I, that I'm thinking that might have been one of the answers we actually gave him because I have a shit ton of fucking sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe and we we've collected quite a few shoes over the years. Um, so maybe I could Shuba I could imagine Stank. I feel like I can almost hear yeah Shuba yeah Stank. I can almost I can almost hear the interview going well maybe that's what it is we'll just make it that from that's here funny. you know um, but it's not right. it <laughs> but the name now it's like such a you know and there's oh. there's so many examples of this of bands if you there's the the band names are widely accepted and then you just kind of think well that if you really think about like the like Tool we're all just like Tool you know I, I remember I was wearing a Tool shirt on a on a, I was just like on a cruise or something, and this older gentleman comes in and goes, "Fucking tool, this guy. At least he recognizes what he is. Like he just like is on, on there giving me shit." And you think like, "Man, what a what a crazy what a band dick. name that is." If you think about it, but we all just <laughs> yeah, like, what a yeah, dick, yeah. What did I do to you, man? Well, he was like kind of like you know giving me giving me a little bit of guff, you yeah. know, and and kind of busting my balls a little bit. But he was, uh, you know, I just thought these band names, but like when I think of Hoobastank, I'm like, it's the perfect name. I don't know what the fuck it means, but it's a great band and it, it, it's memorable. It's when you, if you question something in your mind, you don't forget it. So in some ways it was genius. Right. It look in hindsight, I go back and go, okay, I think it's good. We did it. It's kind of been woven into the pop culture fabric, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. Granted, 
ninety-nine percent. It's a it's a punchline, but that's fine. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, oh, dude, that's that's nice yeah. of you to say, and that's fine. Um, but it's that's another thing that's come with age, you know, like and and a sense of like fuck it, I don't care, you know, like I I don't care. I I every every jab or diss or fucking anything that everybody's ever made of the band, whether it's our music, our appearance at the time, whatever album it was, um, the band name, whatever. Honestly, at this point in my life, I can sit back and go, yeah, I get it. I fucking laugh. Dude. I, I, I understand. I see what you're joking about. Yes, I, I totally understand. But from that um, era? And it doesn't. From- and I don't take it personally. I go, okay, but here we are 20 some odd years later. And I'm still doing it for fun. I could, you know, like, I could name 50 to 75 probably <clears throat> bands that would be punchlines from that period of time when you guys first came out. And I really, I've never made, I mean, of course, there's going to be people that make fun of any band. There's people that make fun of me, Anthony, Derek, like, that's just how it is. But, you know, for you guys, I, I mean, sincerely, like, I could name, I mean, like, there are bands like, let's say, Nickelback, where half the people love them, half the people hate them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 like there are there are those bands that are controversial, but I mean, you guys, I think like this album, I just look back at it and it's it stands the the test of time, and it's it's not. You guys never came across as like jokers to me. Like, I look at I, I, there's bands from that time where you can be like, okay, this is like 85 percent fucking around, you know? <laughs> there's there's a certain attitude that really embodies a certain age and a certain mindset of like that band sucks because of X, Y, Z, you know, maybe just cause you don't like the way they look or whatever, you know, but I really feel like, uh, I mean, I know I went through it, so I'm assuming it's a, it's like a, a rite of passage in life. And hopefully if you're wise enough, you, you, you go through it and you don't get stuck yes. in it. Um, um, and where well, you can look back and go, God, dude, I, I was talking shit about this band and this band and this band, and they were talking about shit, but us and, and I'm gonna go, none of it matters. You know, none of it matters now. I'm stoked for Nickelback, right. you know, or, or, I mean, I understand all the flack <clears throat> these bands get, but fuck, man, I, I, I'd, I'd trade a, a, a pinky if, if to have the commercial success yeah. Nickelback had, you know, it's, they're like, it's a, it's a silly mindset. It's a young, kind of dumb, mindset yes. like and i'm the one i was absolutely guilty of it of like this band sucks and you can't you know this why i've been that way too like it or whatever so um i kind of feel like with with how music of all um time periods and and genres and uh and generations is so accessible i mean i've got a i've got a 12 year old daughter and a nine-year-old son and you can listen to shit from the eighties and that, and shit that's coming right now, all in the same playlist. It's so easily to mash everything together that those lines of like, Oh, you're not allowed to like this and you can't like this and like that are getting washed away a little bit. So I think that the kids nowadays have a much more, I think diverse taste. Yeah. yeah, Pure. And also a better, uh, uh, a more honest, uh, outlook on these bands you know it's not like this band sucks and that band sucks because they don't belong to this clique or or blah 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 um i so uh, i've yeah. thought about that a lot from the difference of like the bands of that era because when i grew up and i listened to you know i listened to your band i listened to bands like you know just so many bands seven dust like there was a lot of new metal bands that i loved from that era as well and i always recognized that there were so many people that were hateful towards these bands. And I always wondered what was it that was different about then that's different about now where people seem to be more accepting of different sounds. And the only conclusion I can arrive at is that there was such a limited funnel of people's exposure to music. They felt as if maybe artists were being forced on them a lot more than they were now, where it's like you turn on MTV at the time and you have to see five to seven different bands that are going to be up on your screen. And that's all you get. And anybody else is basically becoming you're on Napster or something and you're downloading malware to discover new bands on your computer. So um, it's interesting (laughs) to think about that because it does seem almost as if people were angry because maybe they were trying to be the contrarians or something. But it it just I do find it fascinating when, you know, I never got that. I mean, 
I'll admit, I mean, I was a, I still am. I was a diehard Limp Biscuit fan when I was growing up and everybody was always like, man, fuck Limp Biscuit. But like I had the little red hat and it barely fit my big head. And like, <laughs> Dan, what have we been listening to on the way to the airport? Okay. Lately? So we've been flying out. We're home Monday through about Thursday and then Thursday to Sunday or Monday we fly out and, and we're all, we're rolling together. We all meet up and we go together and we've been listening to the new Limp Biscuit record and we're talking about Let's it. Let's like, go. Dude, yeah. We, we've been we've been kind of laughing not at the music but laughing at the fact that like dude we're in our 40s now and we're cruising the airport all together bumping limp biscuit like how just right but the the (laughs) yeah the joke is you know at the time when everybody would talk shit about limp biscuit you know it was easy to you know it's low-hanging fruit easy target you know and now i'm going back and we're listening to some of these songs uh old stuff and new stuff and going fuck dude that was really good you know that 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 riff is ridiculous. It's so good. And that dude, that's pretty clever. Like how he phrased that. And then, you know, you may, you may not like his style, what he's saying, but shit, he was really good at it. You know, yes. like, and, and then we kind of look at each other and go, dude, Limp Bizkit fucking yes. rules. We're right going now. To get our <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it, we could see it now. And uh, without the, that, those stupid, like tribal goggles on, you know, or the tribal, you know, headphones, you listen to everything at some point in your life, you know, this stuff is good. This stuff you're not supposed to like. I think um, overexposure, yeah. any band it. that's overexposed gets too much of this, gets too, and like going back to Nickelback, I remember when that first song or whatever, maybe it wasn't their first song, but the, this is how you remind me was on. And yes. it was everywhere, dude. It was, it started and then it was a fucking forest fire. It was everywhere, any station you turned on and that shit gets annoying. And um, as a listener, that gets annoying. It doesn't mean I don't like that song or I don't like Nickelback. But I, and we were that band too. I was in Hawaii at the time that the reason <clears throat> was peaking um, with my oh, girlfriend at the yeah. time. And dude, it was insane. I was in the car every time I turned on the radio in the car to go somewhere. It was on not just that station. It was on that station, that station. That, I heard it probably 20 times in three days. I was stoked because it was my band and a song that, that Doug and I wrote. But at the same time, we were now the band that was like overexposed, getting force fed down people's throats. And it's this ballady love song. And now it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And now it's not anymore. And now yeah. people are sick of it. And now the band is a bunch of douchebags and <laughs> whatever, you know, then people, people start to <laughs> turn on you. Say. People start to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was too much. People start yeah. to turn well, on you, And I get it. Well, so I, I, I agree with that sentiment entirely that people just kind of, they get sick of things maybe being overexposed. But now when you look back on the reason, you're just like, man, what a hit, you know? I mean, it's just a, it's a flawless song and it's another flawless song in your discography. You guys are going out on tour right now uh, or about to go out on tour. It's the tried and true tour killer lineup. You've got Hoobastank lit alien ant farm, another band that I absolutely love alien ant farm. Their record anthology is just absolutely incredible. And uh, where can people find um, this documentary? When does the 20th anniversary documentary come out, the series? Well, the docu-series, I think the first episode is going to be posted on our, well, it's going to be uploaded and posted onto our uh, YouTube channel, like on the Hoobastank YouTube channel. All of our socials, we will post links and clips of where to go watch the full thing, but it's going to live on our YouTube channel, which is just Hoobastank. Um, so either Wednesday or Thursday, it's supposed to be Wednesday. So, um, and that's going to be ep- this week, like in tomorrow. Okay. So if you're watching this, then it's either coming out today or it's coming out tomorrow, but I have tagged in the description of this interview on YouTube. You can simply just go right over to their channel in one click and check this all out and see all of this footage of, you know, and, and the, the series opens with the GoPro shot in the toilet. So yeah. it's really huh. cool. Slow motion. <laughs> um, so it's, it's going to be, what we're doing is it's, it's seven episodes. I'd say that each episode is anywhere between five minutes and seven minutes long. They're not terribly long. So the whole thing is like 35 to 37 minutes. Um, we will be releasing an episode a week. So unfortunately, if you watch one and you want to watch the second, you won't be able to. It's going to be, you know, uh, spaced out by like seven weeks. probably. Um, yeah. So we're doing that. And then we are getting ready to go do some shows. We're going out on that tour with uh, with Lit and Alien Ant Farm and uh, Chris Rowe, who is from, um, uh, dude, I just had the biggest brain fart. The Atari, Atari sorry. Atari's. Yeah. Atari's, sorry, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Um, and so um, 
we start that, Doug. Do you know when we start that? October. It's like mid-October. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know the dates, but um, but that's coming. You it's check all it out on out. your on your website. Yeah, yeah. dude. But um. I don't know. Was that all? I can't remember if you asked anything else. No, no. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much it. It's an, it's uh, an hour now. So I don't want to hold you guys too long. I could sit here and talk to you guys for three and a half hours about all of this stuff, but I want to say, uh, and I don't just say this to everybody. You guys are really smart, really insightful guys. Um, and I really appreciate that. Um, you guys are obviously, uh, successful for a reason. Um, you guys are smart as hell and it was cool to talk to you guys and thank you for being so open and fun. And I just encourage everybody to go check this documentary series out. Very few bands that have had the type of success that Hoopastank has had will show you this kind of side of the journey. And it's just a 100% authentic uh, angle of the journey filmed on VHS. So, I mean, look at, look at, I mean, check out that fridge yeah. behind Dan. You don't get that shit. That's success. That's, success, right there. Dude, that's stainless right. steel. Think it's about a million that. dollar, million that, dollar fridge. That, yeah. Damn. What's yeah. in there? What's yeah. in the fridge? What What do we have? Like just money. That's what? where he keeps. That's where he keeps half his money. <laughs> just money. It's, it's actually his money fridge. Catch. If I just open it, it all falls out. For... <laughs> yeah. It's only money. It's he's sitting on a he's sitting on a stack money, of money. Dinosaur eggs, rare right, right. collections, gold bars. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that when you're as successful as we are. You have a kitchen for food and a kitchen. That's for amazing. Money. I'm actually, dude. I'm That's just, how you keep your I'm, cash I'm cold. At IKEA right now. I'm actually sitting at IKEA. I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna get some meatballs in a minute. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's gonna walk by in the back, like, yeah. yeah. Excuse me, you're a Best Buy, sir. Uh, can I help you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much, and everybody. Again, you can check out the link to their channel in the description of this of this video, and uh, check that out. And make sure you subscribe to their channel as well. You guys got a big old. 1.3 million subscribers already so that's freaking kick-ass a lot of bands don't spend time building like you got you got a big youtube channel that's uh that's something nobody can really take away from you so that's uh that's kick-ass so th you know what not to get too yeah, sidetracked no. i've got a bunch of like random you know plaques gold platinum whatever awards and shit sprinkled around the, the room um my kids they don't give two shits about it and then one day one day not that I do either. I just kind of go, dude, I might, I might as well put them up. I have them, right. you know? Um, I uh, One day, recently, within the last few years, uh, a box shows at my house, and it's the YouTube million yeah, the subscriber like plaque. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah, and my son, my son's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, he thought it was the yeah. – yeah, dude, 100%. He finally thought, like, he finally looked at me like, what do you like? When you brought up your kids, I'll, real quick, I was gonna ask you, like, are your kids fans of your music? But it sounds like they probably don't really give a oh, shit. Oh no, dude, they hate it. <laughs> what? My my. What are they like? My son, my son, right now doesn't get it at all. He and they both at, at points in their lives have looked at me in complete sincerity and honesty and go, Dad why do people like you? Like just not trying to be dicks, you know, even though they're being total, right. total dicks. Like, like I don't get it, dad, you suck. <laughs> and, and why, why do people, why do people care about you? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Um, but you should be glad that they do right. because it puts food on the table. Right. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Well, Damn. guys, again, okay. thank you so much. That's brilliant. It was such a fascinating discussion. And I, I love I already than I already did. I love your band so much more um, talking to you guys. So again, thank you so much.